Hey, welcome to New River Church's podcast. We're really glad you joined us today. In this special message, we hear from Jody Hoover. Jody serves as our youth director at New River Church, and we think you're going to be blessed by this. I've been with my husband, been married 28 years, and I have been with him since um, I was 14 years old. And so through that time, um, we have a lot of good things and we have a lot of bad things that go on being together for so long. And one of the things that I want to share today is how high maintenance we have become in these last 28 years. And we have um, perfected our high maintenance behavior and we enable it for one another. So when, um, like for example, I want to tell you every single day of our lives, David and I have the same breakfast every single day. I have to start my day with two farm fresh eggs, a piece of Ezekiel toast. I have to have coffee, but it's Dunkin' Donut coffee that we grind, and I have to have light cream, not half and half, and it has to have exactly two drops of stevia in it. And if I don't, I really feel like my day is not going to go well. And David has his food that we have perfected over the years. He has a beautiful pancake that we make ourselves with about, I don't know, 12 different ingredients that we mix together. And he has to have freshly cut fruit every day. And he also has to finish it with the coffee as well, but he has to have different type of cream. And the list goes on and on. And we enable one another and we say, it's okay, you're not high maintenance. Am I high maintenance? No. And we have perfected this, and that is just our breakfast. I mean, that is not even, I can go on and on about we have to have certain types of soap because our skin is so sensitive, and, and we have to have certain type of sheets and different shampoos and different razors. We have perfected how we like to live. And for us, it works. For us, we are okay with that. And so you can imagine when we travel how high maintenance we are. And as a matter of fact, like when we actually travel, we pack the griddle and we pack all of our coffees and we pack our light creams because in Virginia, do you know how hard it is to get light cream? They don't make light cream except for one little store in the, in the very, very bad, worst section of town. And yet we do go there to get the light cream because that's what we have to have in order to produce a good day. So when we travel, we pack all of our stuff and we plug that griddle into the hotel room and we have our foods and we have our special blankets and it's embarrassing. Like what I'm sharing with you is actually embarrassing, but that is how we live. So when our daughter, our oldest daughter, um, went to Virginia for college, David and I um, brought her down with our two um, small kids at the time and, and our kids, our Mason and Sydney, they were younger at the time, they stayed at their friend's house that also lived in Virginia. So David and I got a hotel, and it wasn't a big deal because it was just David and I. So I didn't do all the research. I didn't do all the things I should have done. I said, it's one night. We're in Virginia. How bad could it be? So we drop our daughter off at college, and it's in a very emotional time when, you're, when your child goes to college, and we're just like reflecting, and we drive to this hotel room, and it was the worst hotel that I have ever seen. We got, we got out of the car and we walk into the foyer and it was actually not a hotel but a motel and that M makes a huge difference. <laughs> a huge difference. And so we get out and the, the door to the foyer area, which was an outside pool area, had been um, carved out. So like the door just flung open, there was no lock. And when David and I walked into this foyer area, which was a pool that wasn't even filled with water. It was like, you know when you watch a movie and there's music playing and then the music just stops? That was our experience. Like, here's David and I, who clearly looks like a cop, 
And we walk into this scene where this motel was clearly a drug-slash-prostitution type of hotel. And all of these men are around this pool, and they were like, who's here? And David and I are walking, hey, hey, guys, <laughs> hey. And we get into our motel, which the door is actually open it, and there is everyone, all the gang members in their glory. And on the other side is a, is a, a slider, which butts up against the parking lot. So David looks at me and says, we need to beat feet. We need to go. Now, the problem is Liberty University is like 20,000 students, and this is before COVID, and so like, you have about 6,000 people getting dropped off that day. There was no staggering. There's no staggering with masks. There's no staggering. It is 6,000 people. There's no way we're going to get another hotel room. There's just no way. It's completely booked. I said, David, we're fine. We can do this. We got this. And David's like, no, we don't have this. We don't have this. He's like, I am one person. Look at all, like, this is not good. Did you see the way they looked at us? Like, they know I'm a cop. Like, this is not good. And I was like, you're overreacting. Just get our suitcases and our suitcases, like we're traveling, you know what I mean? Because we're high maintenance. And he's like, I am not bringing this griddle in. I am not bringing <laughs> this griddle into this motel. And I was like, just do it, honey. We got this. So he goes out to the car and he's bringing our suitcases in and he opens the door and he's like, I just witnessed a domestic. We need to go. I was like, David, come on. I'm like, let's see what the word of God says. There's got to be a Bible in here. And I go to the stand. I'm like, if the Lord wants us to leave, he'll show us. I pick up a Bible, open it. 666 was marked on every page. All these demonic signs said, we've got to get out of here. Oh, my gosh. So we get into the car, and, and we say goodbye to the, everyone hotboxing in their cars, and we get into the car, and we're like, where do we go? Like, where do we go? There's nowhere in this vicinity to go. So we find this hotel 30 or 40 minutes away, and we pull in, and we get into this another motel with an M. And we pull in, and we open the door, and the first thing we do is we step onto pine needles, which means that a Christmas tree was once in here which means that we're in August, which means that this room has not been vacuumed since December. And you know what? We were okay with that. We were okay with that. And then David's like, I, I'm going to go take a shower. I want to just shower. And he's like, can you bring me the shampoo? And I, in our haste of grabbing our stuff for our lives, um, the shampoo bottle had broken open and the shampoo was everywhere, all over our stuff. And we were okay with that because we weren't going to get shot that night. And so I scooped out some shampoo and I go into the shower to give it to David. And he is now squatting weirdly in the shower like this. I said, what is wrong with you? He said, oh, the nozzle has been broken off and the water just shoots out this way. And so I am scooping David's shampoo and he is trying to wash with the water going in. And we were so happy about that. We loved it. We loved our disgusting motel because we were not in risk of our lives being taken. So he comes out and we pull back the sheets after we took the pine needles off of our feet and there was not even a fitted sheet on this bed. It was a flat sheet that they went and we were like, this is great. This is a great 
motel. We were so happy. Our experience radically changed our perspective. What we thought was our standard of living changed by one experience, immediately changed our perspective. If we had stayed in that motel the month before, I would have been Karen. Um, hello, I need to talk to the manager. This is not okay with me. This is not. But our experience radically changed how we walked. And so that brings me to Mark 5, 1 through 18. I'm going to summarize. I'm going to read some of it. But I'm sure most of you know it's the story of, of when Jesus goes across the lake and he meets a man who has been terrorized, who has been plagued, who has been chained by demons, by the work of the enemy. This man was so bound up that he, they would chain him and he would break free from them. Broke free from chains and ropes, so demonized. And Jesus goes across and he meets him and, and the man runs out to him and, and immediately Jesus has compassion on him. And it says, uh, Jesus said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. And Jesus said, what is your name? Legion. Legion means that there is many and there is a large herd. You guys all know this story. A large herd of pigs and they asked to go into the pigs and the demons went flying into the pigs. The pigs went cuckoo, went flying and drowned, killed themselves, suicide with pigs because the demons had tortured them so much and all the pigs died. And this is what I want to focus on. Those tending the pigs ran and reported this in the town and countryside and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. So there's a lot of lessons in this story. The one I want to focus on, our experiences can radically change our beliefs. Now these people that the Bible is talking about, <clears throat> they were literally following Jesus everywhere he went. These people were pushing through crowds to get to the hem of his coat. They were following him so much that there was five, 6,000 of them, and Jesus would literally get into a boat to get away from them, to have a moment. And here he is, and these people are still following him, and they're like, this is great. Look what this man can do. He can heal. He is teaching. He is casting demons out. Like this was a new, an amazing thing. And these people are like, this guy is great. Look what he's doing for us. Look what Jesus is doing for us. I don't have an issue with blood anymore. Woohoo! I am not demon-possessed anymore. This is great. But when Jesus did something that they were uncomfortable with, look what happened. Our experience can radically change our perspective and our vision on who Jesus Christ is. When Jesus came to town, people followed him. I don't know how many of you know if you remember Gene Allen. Does any of you remember who Gene Allen is? So Gene Allen was this like 80-year-old woman who had such a gift from the Lord. This woman would come into a church and be like you when you were seven years old and 19, da, 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 like she would just get a word from God and give it to you so specifically. It was amazing. So when she came to town, you went. You canceled whatever was going on and you went to hear her because in the hopes that you're going to get a word from the Lord. And so I would go 
Now, most of you haven't seen me because I don't go to a lot of things, but when Jean Allen was in town, I was there. And if she went to another church and I found out, I would go because I wanted a word from the Lord. And I would not only go, but I would wear the brightest color you could ever imagine. So in case she needed some help, like picking people out, here I am. And, and yet, never got a word. Never got a word. Went to every church service I could with the woman, but never, ever was picked out. But that's a whole nother lesson. But, and you went because the thought of getting a word directly from the Holy Spirit is actually priceless. And if you can hear the Lord say to you, well done, or anything that he has to say to you, I'll go anywhere. Where, your, where is your presence, Lord? I'll go. And they had Jesus Christ himself there. They witnessed him raise people from the dead. They witnessed healing. They witnessed, and they were mad because of the pigs. They were mad. It took them out of their comfort zone. They lost something. And it, the, the value of Jesus instantly went down. And it happens in our lives. There are things that have happened in our lives, our experiences, that have changed how we see Jesus Christ. And that is what we need to look at. They looked at Jesus. They saw this man and they said, can you go? Can you go? They asked him to leave. Who asked Christ to leave? But if we're being honest in our lives, we have all done that. We have all said, this is, this is too much. This is too much. And what have they lost out on? So <clears throat> this can happen a different way. For them, it was their money. The pigs died. That's money in their pocket. And before we judge them, look at us. When, when money comes into play, we get a little squirrely with it. I mean, God, you can have some time. You can have some of the stuff that I'm not using. I'll donate. I'll fill up the little baby basket of change. I can, I can do that. But what if God actually came in and radically changed how you spend your money? Or you spend your family's resources it, it hits you. It hits you in a very different way. The second thing that I want to talk about and how we can, it can radically change our perspective of Jesus is our trauma from our childhood. The way we see the Father can have a direct correlation on the trauma that we have had in our lives. Now, I want to tell you, my dad, you guys know him. You know him as Elder. You know him as Bud. The youth group knows him as Papa Dog. He... When so I was a little girl, he has always, always said to me, you hear from the Lord. You hear from the Lord. I'm talking four, five, six years old. You, you have a calling on your life and you hear from the Lord. So as I grew up, I was like, yeah, I hear from the Lord. Yeah, I do. I hear from the Lord. And, and the Lord has always spoken to me so clearly. But it was blossomed and it was watered by my earthly father that says, you hear from the Lord. It was so instilled in me that when I was in high school, I was a wild, wild child. I was rebellious. Anything, any trouble I could get into, sign me up. But I still heard from the Lord because I hear from the Lord. That's what my father told me. That's what my heavenly father told me. I heard from the Lord. So when I was literally in high school, the Lord told me, and I was not walking great with him, and the Lord told me, 
I want you to um, really invest in this girl. She was two years younger than me, and you have to understand, like, me in high school, you, I'm just going to say that I had to write multiple letters of apology to multiple people uh, in my 20s to apologize for my bad behavior in high school. Like, when Facebook came out, I'm like, oh, dear Jen, I am so sorry I bullied you all through high school. Like, that bad, like, bad bratty child. But when the Lord told me to befriend this girl in the 10th grade and take her to a charismatic Bible study every Friday night, I said, all right, the Lord's telling me to do something, guys. And I kid you not, I'd pick up this girl, and I would have Budweiser's in the back, and I would say to my friends, listen, before we go to the party at the power lines, we got to go to this charismatic Bible study for this girl who's not even in our social setting. And I would literally drive to the, a charismatic Bible study, drop her back off, and then go to the party and drink the Budweiser's. But the Lord told me to do so because that's my identity was what I heard from the Lord. And my father put that in me. And that might not be your experience. See, your experience might be that your father told you that you were worthless or that your father told you you were not good enough and that your father told you that you just aren't going to make it in life. And so you walk through this life with such a clouded vision of who Jesus Christ is and who God the Father is. You might literally go through life with just blinders on and the Lord is here to tell you that today he wants you to remove those blinders because the identity in God the Father, what he's telling you, is so different from what our earthly parents are saying. It is so different. Even the best of parents are screwing up. I am one of them and I have created wounds and hurts in my children that I have not intended, but they are still there. And they need to be healed from that so that they can truly see who God the Father is. And that is, I guarantee you, most of us in this room. And so those ex experiences have clouded your vision and seeing who God the Father truly is. And he wants you free from those things. He wants freedom for you. He wants healing from you. And we don't have to live like that every day, day in and day out, because your experience radically changed your view. God can radically change it back like he did for that man that is in chains. Radically change you. The other thing that can radically change our perspective is our children, for those who have children. When they're little, you're so afraid they're going to die. You're so afraid they're going to get hurt. You're so afraid that something is going to happen. And so when my son, at 10 years old, was diagnosed with an incurable disease of type 1 diabetes, it shook me to my core. Talk about getting knocked down, dragged down. Like, how can this be? It radically, that experience radically changed how I saw God. He was no longer to be trusted because, like, look what he did to my kid. And I had to process that and go before the throne over and over and over and over to clear those, those blinders and to see who God really is. And in doing so, I actually got to know who God the Father really is and not who I thought he was. And so even in that, when, when the Bible talks about consider it pure joy, that's the stupidest verse I've ever heard. Consider it pure joy? What does that even mean? But when you get through to the other side, you recognize that the God the Father that you thought you knew is actually not God the Father, and he shows you his character in a completely different way. And that's the joy that comes out of it.
That's the joy. The hard times, they just suck. And there's no other way around it. But the joy that comes out of knowing and saying, okay, Lord, I know you better now. I know you better now. And it took years. It was not instantaneous, the chains falling off. It took years to process out, but it did. And as they get older and they start becoming adults, oh, that's a whole nother issue. That is a whole nother issue. And a lot of times what I've seen parents do is they change their perspective on how they actually live. So you have these adult children now, and they are walking in a way that you're like, hmm, I don't, I don't know about that. And instead of standing firm and saying, no, for me in my house, we serve the Lord, we say, well, you know what? Maybe, maybe this gender fluidity, maybe there is something to this. Maybe, is it, is homosexuality that bad? Is smoking pot that bad? Is drinking in the house, is it that bad? It changes our perspective on Jesus Christ. And we can't have that. We can't have that because it changes our relationship with God the Father. And so as we walk through this and we say, okay, Lord, my prayer for you guys is today when you go before the Lord and you say, okay, Lord, what is causing my experiences to change who I see you. Open up your heart because it's going to be things that are very difficult. Our children, for all of us, that's our Achilles heel. And how do we walk that out? <clears throat> the second thing we can learn from this lesson is I love, they were afraid. Those people were afraid. They saw this man, it said he's well-dressed and can was speaking properly. And they were not happy for him. They were not rejoicing. They were not praising the Lord. They were afraid. Afraid. And you know what? It is not what you do with that fear. It is not. It is how you walk out of that fear. And I absolutely love that. Now, when we look, when we look at things in the Bible, most people's first reaction is fear. When you see Michael the archangel come out, you're scared. When you see things that God is telling you to do, you're scared. And that is okay. It is okay as long as you walk through it, as long as you keep walking through it. So like, and I, I shared this with the youth group, when we are in church and someone goes up for, to the altar for prayer and they're wailing and they're crying, we are all in the, in the uh, audience just praying for them and thanking the Lord for it. But there is a lot of part of us that says, oh, good for her, not for me. No, I don't want to get up here crying. I don't want to get up here acting like this. Oh, Lord, no. Or how about the people who like literally worship all their might and they're in the back dancing? You know some of us are looking at like, oh, that cannot be me, God. I am not doing that. I am not doing that. Or how about any of the things that the Lord has called us to do? When we are looking at people that are walking the things of the Lord, oh, Lord, that's great for them, but not for me. I don't want to give words. I don't want to get up here preaching. I don't want to do, that's great for them, and I'm praising you in that storm, but like not, not me, Lord, not me. But when we push through it, there's freedom on the other side. 16 years ago, um, David had just become a cop, and uh, we were sitting on our, our front step, <clears throat> and uh, the cops came, like the Manchester police came, and um, our neighbor was outside, 
And I said, David, go find out what's happening. Go. You know, you know, guys, when the cops come, everyone's looking out the window. So I like even ratcheted up and said, David, go. You're a cop too. They'll tell you what's going on. And I'm thinking home invasion. I'm thinking burglary, whatever. I said, go. So David goes over and I'm watching and I'm watching. And he is um, leaning over and he starts like rubbing this woman's back. She's like 80 years old and she, he's rubbing her back. And I'm like, what in the... What, what, why is he rubbing her back? Like, what, what is happening? Like, and I'm watching, and I'm like, they're not doing any of the things that I know they need to do, like fingerprinting, and, and there's, not, like, what's, what's going on here? And so I said, oh, well, I'm going to have to deal with them because David is not coming back, and I'm going to figure this out. And so I go, to, I go stomping over to see what's happening, and at this point, most of the neighbors are outside, and there's a bunch of cops there. And I, I walk across the street and I step onto the grass and the Lord says this to me. This woman is dealing with a spirit of fear and I need you to rebuke it and cast it out of her. And I was like, um, that's a huge problem for me, God. Um, if I'm wrong, I'm going to look like such a jerk. I'm going to embarrass my husband in front of his colleagues. All the neighbors are out. Do you know the fear that shot through my body? If I am wrong, I could not look more like a jerk. But I heard from the Lord, like so clearly heard from the Lord. And I'm walking and I have from here to probably the kiosk to process this. And the whole, in my head, I'm like, I'm not doing this, Lord. There's no way I'm doing this. This is insane. And is is this true? And I'm walking and I get to this woman. And as I get to this woman, she actually starts convulsing, like literally convulsing. Like she flings her body back the closer I get to her and they're cradling her head because it's going to hit the ground and she's shaking. And I walk over and in front of all of the police and the neighbors, I said, I rebuke this spirit of fear. I came in to come out. You are a child of God and you know who you are. And this 80-year-old woman stopped convulsing instantly. She sits up and she said, I am a child of God. And the neighbor looked at me and goes, whoa, you are a good counselor. And I was like, (laughs) no, no. And I said, and I just started praying over her and she kept repeating everything I said. I am a child of God. I do not have the spirit of fear. And I ended up going to the hospital with her because the ambulance came and there was nothing wrong with her. There was not one thing wrong with her except she was dealing with the spirit of fear that was cast out in front of multiple people. And the fear in me, I would have not had that opportunity. I guarantee you those cops still remember that. I guarantee you those neighbors, they still remember that. I guarantee every person that was there remembers that. And I have told this story numerous times, numerous times I have talked, and it is all for the glory of the Lord because it had nothing to do with the demons. It had the Everything to do with the power of Jesus Christ's name and your identity and who you are breaks the power of the enemy every single time. And if I had lived in fear and if I had told Jesus to get into that boat and go back, that woman would still be in bondage. Those cops would have not seen that. The neighbors would have not seen that. And God's name would not have been praised 16 years later. And that is what the power of the Holy Spirit does. Is it scary sometimes? Oh my gosh, is it scary. 
Are you equipped for it? Yes, you are. You are equipped to do what the Holy Spirit wants you to do. And when you do it, you will literally change not only your life, but the people around you. And what I love, the last point to this, is that the only person, the only person that went back to Jesus Christ was the one that was set free. And that man went to Jesus and said, take me with you. Take me with you. Because when you have truly had an experience with the Holy Spirit where he radically changes your life, you will do anything for the Jesus Christ from that point forward. You will do anything to walk in his power and his freedom. And if that man was not freed, and if Jesus had not done that, how many people do you think that man has touched? It says that he went and told everyone and people were amazed at Christ, at Jesus Christ. So Jesus comes and says to these demons, go. That's how powerful he is. It's how powerful he is then, and it's how powerful he is now. If you guys want freedom, you've got to come forward. The only difference between us and that man is that you can't see our chains, but we have them. We are chained, we are shackled, and we cover over them. And we say, no, we're good. We're good. We're okay. We're not okay. We're not okay. We have wounds. We have trauma. We are not seeing our identity in Christ. We are not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit like we should. And today we can. And this is how you do it. You step forward and you say, I need help. I'm struggling in my marriage, I'm struggling with my kids, I'm struggling with my past, I'm struggling with my future, I'm broken. I've got my, you can't see them, I got the shackles. Help me break them, help me break them. And that is why he calls us together to work this out. The iron sharpens iron to snap those things out. We are Jesus' hands and feet now. We have the same power that he has in us, and we just have to walk in it and walk in it in boldness. So I encourage you guys, talk, pray through these things, and let's break these chains off. Amen? Amen. That's all I got. <laughs>